next chapter of Ephesians. Just like that. Just like that. <laughs> Let's pray for Chris. Father, we thank you that you have um, put your word in Chris, probably from the moment he was born. Father, you've versed him in it. Um, you've um, grown him in it. Um, in his upbringing, Father, and as he serves you as an adult, Lord. And we just praise you and thank you um, for his love for you. We thank you how proud you are of him, Father, and that you are going to speak to him through to what he says today. Just bless him and minister to us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you, Jean. Thanks. You all right? In preparation of this morning, the last thing I did last night before I went to bed, I prayed and I said, Lord, would you just wake me with a song in the night? It's a strange request, I know. Um, But you know, he did. And then I couldn't go back to sleep. I don't know if you remember that. It's a a modern hymn. It was written by uh, Jared Cooper. Um, Lovely, lovely words. Um, And I want to focus on some of those through Ephesians 4, which is what we're going to be looking at this morning. But I'm sure you'll know that piece of music. You know the one, Your Majesty? Your Majesty, I can but bow. I lay my all before you now. In royal robes, I don't deserve. I live to serve your majesty. And this morning, I want to talk to you from Ephesians 4, and I want to talk to you about being covered in royal robes that we don't deserve. And they're amazing words. I titled this short talk, lots of W's this morning, um, Walking Worthily. It's, been so, it's blessed me so much this morning just hearing some of the testimonies, hearing what people have shared. Uh, Henry, spot on. Um, and just knowing actually God has just <sighs> paved the way for me. So I titled this talk, Walking Worthily, and I love Ephesians. It's a book that's filled with such sound advice. And we're in chapter 4. Obviously, we've done chapters 1 to 3, but chapter 4 marks a bit of a gear change. Chapters 1 to 3 focus on the amazing benefits, if I can use that word, of what it means to be a child of God. But from chapters 4 onwards, it focuses on, if you like, a, a godly response from us. And Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians around AD 60 to 61. He writes it around the same time as sort of Colossians and Philemon and a few other letters. And it's one of four epistles that's often referred to as the prison epistles because they are written from a place of imprisonment. Just stop and think about that. They're written from prison. He has lost many of his freedoms. Um, He's suffered 
countless hardships, injustices, and in a sense he has every, every excuse, every reason even, to talk people out of following the faith. Because he has seen for himself that actually it's going to cost him. But he opens in chapter 4, and this is my first point. There's four, if you're counting. They're all W's. Walk in unity. Let's read chapter 4. I therefore, and I'm reading from the New King James, I therefore, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Let's just hold it there. They're amazing words. He opens this passage with a phrase, I beg you. I beseech you. That word carries great urgency. If you look it up in the Greek, and we, it's amazing just to hear some of the testimonies this morning and the words that are shared. It speaks of calling. The word is klesis. And it means a call or invitation. And it is the highest call or invitation. And it crops up a number of times in the New Testament. And the New Testament uses it many times over, to, and, it, and it talks of us becoming members of this kingdom of God, where we experience adoption as sons and daughters into God's family, so that we gain salvation and the hope of eternal life, and furthermore, the opportunity to share that, share that with others. Walking in unity is something that we must choose to do. And when I say must, I want you to get this real good. This isn't a sense of duty, this response to walk in unity. Paul comes at this, and you'll, you'll pick it up in the text, I'm sure, but he, he comes at this from a point of view that this is an appropriate response, a love response, an overwhelming just joy and thankfulness for the amazing things that God has done through Jesus Christ. So Paul says, I beseech you, I beg you, I'm extending this high calling to you. It's the highest calling. We've talked this morning about aiming high. We're aiming high. He's aiming high and he's extending that to us. So he says, walk in unity. And I want to pick out one or two words. So walking in in unity, he uses this phrase lowliness in verse 2. And gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And loneliness, again, I, I look this up. It's, it's not seen as a particularly, well, I wouldn't say good, it's not a virtue that you hear a lot about these days. In today's society, if the truth be told, it's the exact opposite. You know, we want to extend, we want to assert our rights. We want to be confident and 
sometimes pushy. But lowliness, it's, it's a really interesting um, it's a really interesting concept when you start digging into this. Because as Christians, we're called to emulate Jesus Christ, and we're told, who, existing in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. And by being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death. Yes, even death on the cross. And that's Philippians. Lowliness, is, it's like an inside-out virtue. And it's produced, and if you get into the proper dynamics of the word, it, in the Greek it means, I'll get this right, tapinophrosine. Too often in today's society we compare ourselves with our peers and those around us. You've only got to buy something like the Hello magazine or something, and you, and you know, and you see all these glossy. Well, I don't actually buy the Hello magazine, but you know, you get the drift. But true loneliness comes when we deliberately choose not to compare ourselves to others, but we compare ourselves to Jesus. And it's actually a place not of... I don't want to get into this false humility thing. I mean, Rodney, you always touched on it almost this morning. Um, It means to live in complete dependence on the Lord. It's kind of back to front. But it's a place of actually where God can empower us and cleanse us and cover us. And it, it's, it's, it's really blessed me these last few days just looking at some of these words. And Paul goes on to bear with one another in love. He uses the agape phrase for love. And in this phrase, he, in this, this, this verse, he uses this term to bear with one another, to bear with one another, or to endure and to exercise patience and restraint. The word is anekomenoi. It means to bear with or to exercise patience and restraint. Just think for for a moment of all your relationships, right? Be they work relationships, be they husband-wife relationships, parent-child relationships. They all require bearing with and enduring and exercising patience or restraint. It's true in marriages, it's true in churches, true in friendships, true in work environments. I should just add a cautionary note here. I'm not suggesting that people bear with one another in every circumstance. Okay, can we just get that down? Obviously, parents should not bear unacceptable behavior by their children, yeah? Maybe victims of spouse, um, spouse abuse or child abuse. Those aren't sort of things that you would want to bear with. They're situations that, you would, that God would call us to confront lovingly. So just want to preface that. So walk in unity. Walk in unity and practice some of these things. And remember that you have a clesis, an urgent invitation, high invitation in this this letter that Paul writes. The other thing I want to draw your attention to, verse 2, my second point. Walk in your gifting. I don't care who you are, but if you have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, 
The Holy Spirit is a giver of good gifts. It is not for us to assert which gifts might be better or carry more prestige than the other. It's nonsense. Walk in your gifting. God's grace extends to us and it extends extravagantly. If we're followers of Christ, he, gives, he gifts us so that together as the church, we can equip the saints for the building up of the church and for the measure and extending of the fullness of Christ. I mean, you can't help read this and be reminded of passages like Romans 12, where it says, having gifts differing according to the grace that was given to us. If if prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion of our faith, faith. Or service, let us give ourselves to service. Or he who teaches to his teaching. He who exhorts to his exhortation. He who gives, let him do it liberally. He who rules with diligence. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. That's Romans 12. And why, why would we do all that? We do it out of a love response because of what Christ has done for, that, for us. And when I read this passage, I keep coming back to verse 8, where it says, Therefore, therefore, he says, when he, that is Jesus, ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Those are deep, deep words. He led captivity captive. Paul does something incredible here. He's quoting out the Old Testament. He's quoting from Psalm uh, 68, I believe. And obviously it was written at the time in the Psalms, referring back to the occasions when God had led the nation out of captivity. But, But Paul grabs hold of this verse and, whoa, he's looking forward with it. And I... Let me ask you a question this morning. What is holding you captive? Are there things in your life where you know you are being held back? Mate, it all comes down, it'll all come down to one little three-letter word. It will be, it's sin, ultimately. But what's holding you captive? Because the amazing thing about Jesus Christ is that he takes captivity he can take those things and take them captive so that you and i can experience the freedom and as john 10 10 says life in all its fullness um it's got that sort of feel to it you know in colossians where it talks about um jesus having taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing triumphing over them in it. Jesus, in a sense, descends into the lowest part of the earth. He defeats the power of sin and death, and he ascends to the Father, taking captivity captive. Just think about those words. They are, I guarantee you, they are life-giving. They really are. So walk in your gifting, gang. The third thing I want to just draw your attention to, and my third point is this. Walk in your new covering. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man or woman, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, 
and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man who was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. In Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, put on Jesus. Becky showed us a slide last week. It's, it, it, was, it was great. It was, a, it was effectively a picture of us as individuals, but covered by Jesus. So all our ugly bits, all those deep-seated things that we hide away, those attributes that we, let's be fair, are so often ashamed of, Jesus covers them. So when God looks at us, he sees Jesus' righteousness, not ours. And it's not that we just sort of smother those things. But Jesus can take captive those things that hold us captive. I, um, let me tell you a little story. Happened just 10 days ago. We were on holiday down in Cornwall. And um, we hadn't had a beach holiday for a good few years, okay? And before we went away, Patsy said to me, she said, Chris, make sure you pack the beach, the beach tent. Everybody know what a beach tent is? Little tent, you put it up, shelters you from the sun, protects you from the wind. Convenient place to get changed because getting changed on the beach is always a tricky procedure. And before we went, Patsy said, have you put the tent in? Yes, don't worry, I've put the tent in. Everything's tickety-boo, jumped in the car, down to Cornwall, glorious sunshine. And the one day, we went out onto this, this, this big beach, Holywell Bay, beautiful, beautiful area, rammed with people, blazing hot day. But I wasn't going to worry, because we got our beach tent. Get the beach tent out, open the bag, whew, put the tent down. Except it wasn't a tent. It was circa about 13 years ago, the toddler play the toddler play tent from Lindisfarne House, which I'd bought back, Patsy had bought back one, um, one morning because it was going to be thrown out because the toddlers had obviously rinsed it over and it was carrying quite a bit of damage. But our Tom and Nathaniel Wharton enjoyed playing with it so much, she said, well, can't you just you know, do something to it, make it work? And, and, and so obviously I'd, I'd repaired it, stuffed it away in the bag, forgot all about it. And here I was on the beach, whoo, toddler tent, well, I'm committed, okay? The surf was up, nice sunshine. I'm looking at you, Walshies. They were there. Surf's up, and I've got to get a wetsuit on. Now, getting changed on a beach is always a tricky procedure. Getting a wetsuit on is even worse. And quite frankly, it must have looked amusing. Slightly chubby, middle-aged bloke, toddler tent. Disappear inside, Right? When I say it was small, that is an understatement, okay? You couldn't even sit up in it. I, you had to... And my legs were stuck out of the doors, okay? And they're those little doors with little tie backs on them. So my legs are sticking out of the tent, and I'm trying to wriggle myself into this wetsuit. But wetsuits are amazing, aren't they? I went in looking chubby and old, and I came out... Whew, buff. Because they do, they just sort of squash everything in. <laughs> just 
don't undo the zip at the back. That's all I'm saying. And I know it's a rubbish analogy, but in a sense, what Paul is saying is walk in your covering. And I'm not saying a wetsuit. But when... When we come to Jesus Christ, Jesus covers us. And all those horrible bits, he takes captive. He doesn't just hide them away and squash them into a wetsuit. He's totally, totally able to deal with them so that you can experience freedom and fullness of life. Ruth's lost it. (laughs) We'll pick this up in the leadership meeting next Monday. But it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. So that was my third point. Walk in your new covering. Put on Jesus Christ. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you don't know how to do that, well, you have access to the Holy Spirit and all that is required of you is that you diligently ask. In Acts 17.11, there was a group of people called the Bereans. They get a gold star on their report card because they, it says they listened to the word of the Lord and they diligently searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. So grab hold of that high calling that Paul extends to you this morning and walk in that covering that Jesus extends to you. And lastly, oh, I'm on time. Lastly, Walk in the Spirit. In my Bible, verse 25, it's titled, Do Not Grieve the Spirit. Do you know what? You do not need me to elaborate to you how to grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's face it, we, we are born into this world with a sinful nature which needs no encouragement. It's true. It's so true. So as Paul exhorts us, again, using the strongest language he knows how, he says, put away lying. You speak truthfully. And if you do need to get angry, make sure you don't sin in it. Don't steal. It's such sound advice. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth and Paul rounds this off walking in the spirit he rounds it off with this even as God in Christ forgave you so he's just in a sense saying you know it's not out of a sense of duty it's out of a sense of massive blessing and favor that God has already extended to you We don't do this out of a sense of duty of, well, I suppose I better be good. No. We do it out of a sense of rejoicing. And because God has given us his Holy Spirit who resides within us. So that in a sense, the commandments become promises. Thou shalt not lie. It's given as a command. But actually, no, it's a promise. Because of what Jesus has done. So this morning, I wasn't quite sure how to finish, but I keep coming back to that phrase that Paul Lee uses in in chapter 4. 
When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And I'm just asking the question, what's holding you captive? What is holding you back? What is holding you and keeping you from reaching for that high calling? I think it's significant that Henry shared and Rodney shared and specifically mentioned those words. Millie shared her testimony about aiming high. And God would have you free this morning, really free. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you lowly, in lowliness. In a sense, comparing ourselves to Jesus. Because although we know that so often we fall short, Lord, We know through these great promises that you cover us through the gift of your son Jesus and that you can take captive those areas of our lives which hold us back. Father God, we invite you and we invite you, Holy Spirit, just to rest upon us this morning That we might experience freedom. That we might experience life in all its fullness. And Lord, you didn't come to write us off. You came to restore us. You came to bring life and put us in a right relationship with you. So, Father God, I'm asking this morning, would you just prompt in me those areas you that you want to bring captive. In all of us, Lord, would you show us how to walk in unity, to walk in our giftings, to walk in our coverings, to walk in sweet, sweet relationship with you, Holy Spirit. Would you just touch us? Would you prompt us and bring those things that you want to deal with? So that we can leave this place, Lord, not in the same condition that we arrived. So that we can leave closer to you to bring your peace and your love to a hurting world. Amen. Amen. So we're going to have a, um, hopefully we're going to have a time of worship because we are on time. And, you know, I've just touched on some things there. And if it... You know, and you will know God's prompting. If there's things that you know God wants you to be free from, then come and talk to us. Come talk to me. Come and talk to any of the team. And we'll gladly, gladly just stand with you and, and, and help pray through and process some of those things. But don't leave it. Please don't leave it. It's just not worth it. It really isn't. So bless you. You've been amazing. Amen. Shall we stand?
God, I look to you. I won't be 